Welcome, listeners, to our review of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Did you ever make anything happen? Anything you couldn't explain? You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? All right, Dean, we're starting our Harry Potter series. How are you going for this? You pumped? You pumped for this one? <laughs> how are you going? How are you going? Are you, are you coping okay with watching Harry Potter? Uh, yeah, I'm coping. I'm coping pretty well with watching Harry Potter, Hendo. How are you coping? No doubt you all sat down together, the family, and watched this landmark film, Harry Potter and the, the Philosopher's Stone, or Sorcerer's Stone. Can we just touch on that for a second? How much of a joke is it that they actually put a different title in there for the likes of at least the US? Because they Just the US. Because they felt the word philosopher was too sophisticated for them. Imagine all the bullshit, like having to do the dubbing and all that crap. Why? Just leave it the way it was. Philosopher. It's it's fine. It works well. I agree. Anyway, back to you and your viewing experience. How was it? Yeah, I I watched the film. I definitely watched the film, that, that I must say. <laughs> Granted, it was uh, by myself for this first one. Really? By I did yourself? Tell, I, you had yeah, some I alone family, time hey, while watching uh, Harry Potter. Hey? I told I told the family, hey, we're going to be doing the Harry Potter films. We can, you know, do one film a week. Oh, yeah, you tell them. Like, yeah, you that's, tell that's them, good. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm like, beauty, we're going to watch the first one. And, you know, we watched the first one a couple of months ago. And the, the kids were like, oh, let's watch the second one. And I'm like, no, no, let's. we need to watch the first one. They're like, oh, no, nah, we don't want to watch the first one. We've already seen it. We'll, we'll watch the second one. And so I, I had to watch the first one by myself. Kids didn't want to do it. Well, I watched... Most of it with the kids, and then I put the kids to bed, and then I stayed up to watch it and was asleep ten minutes later. Yes, that's typical Dean. So I had, to, I, had to, I had to watch the end of it today. Fair enough. I was nearly. Fair enough. I, I'll be honest. I was nearly not going to watch the end of it because I've seen it. Because you've so seen many it so times. many times. Like, yeah, there was a, there was actually a moment where I was just like, I wonder if I could do this podcast without even watching it right now. You probably could have. I mean, I think so. I'm glad I watched it because I think my, you know, my takes are fresher and maybe different to what, you know, was I thought of it in my head, but yeah, it's good. Alrighty then. Well, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is a 2001 fantasy film directed by Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus. I don't know why I say Christopher. I think he goes by Chris. Doesn't want to be uh, <laughs> confused n- with anyone. <laughs> confused by that. I think Christopher Columbus. It's the based on J.K. Rowling's. The, the lesser known Christopher the Columbus. Known. <laughs> <laughs> based on J.K. Rowling's 1997 novel of the same name, the film is the first installment of the Harry Potter film series and was written by Steve Cloves and produced by David Heyman. It's the story follows Harry Potter's first year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry as he discovers that he is a famous wizard and begins his education. The film stars Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter with Rupert Grint as Ron Weasley and Emma Watson as Hermione Granger and a slew of other supporting casts along the way. Do you want to name a couple of them, Dean? I think if we ever do that game again where, like, that me and Shane did, and I think, uh, did me and you do it? Where you name uh, people's movies from the actor. Yeah. We should do one of them where it's like, name actors who have appeared in, and then name a franchise, like Harry Potter, because it's ridiculous. There's a lot of well-known people in this There is. Robbie Coltrane's in this. Robbie Coltrane. I know him from GoldenEye and The World Is Not Enough. What do you know him from besides Harry Potter? Nothing. I've literally never seen him before in my life. Really? Okay. I mean, I I've remember seen, he wanted to I've, a show called Cracker. No, nah, I've seen, obviously, GoldenEye and The World Is Not Enough, but I cannot picture him as not Hagrid. Yeah, that's fair. Who else? The old lady? Uh, the old duck? What's her name? Maggie Smith. That's a one. 
It's weird watching her in this and then seeing her from Hook when she had all the old makeup on and she looks exactly the same, Yeah, like 10 years later. She has been 80 years old for the last 40 years. (laughs) It's ridiculous. And, like, I watch her recently now in Downton Abbey and stuff and she's just like she's aged a little, but I mean a little. Yeah, not much at all. No. Who else we got? Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. That's, you know. R.I.P. Yeah, that's the obvious one. Richard Harris, R.I.P. Yeah. All right, maybe we shouldn't play this game because it's it's pretty quick. <laughs> we would have buzzed out already. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What else we got here? Music by John Williams, hey? Good music. Good score throughout this film. Oh, I, I think it's better than good. I think this is my favourite thing about this film is the music. Very iconic and memorable. It is iconic and memorable, Hendo. You say it well. Yeah. Um, would you would you agree the music is one of at least the best things about this film? Absolutely. Absolutely agree. I mean, they really did. They're so lucky with so many decisions they made when they made this film. Like, the score can carry this franchise through. You hear those first couple of bars of the score and you know immediately what you're in for. And obviously, the cast. The cast, uh, simply having the same people... Minus Richard Harris because he died. And I think Crab or Goyle, one of them did like drugs and shit and got uh, recast, I think, for the later movies, did they? Bugger if I know. I haven't got that far in my trivia. But I think they did so well having the entire cast really stay together for eight years or whatever it was. Well, Warner Brothers originally considered making the entire Harry Potter film franchise as a set of computer animated films. Uh, or attempt to combine several of the novels into a single movie. Their reasoning behind that was mainly to do with the concern over the you know the quick aging of the child actors and the actresses. Uh, if production ran too long or if any of the movies or the production was delayed between sequels, uh, the leading actors and actresses might have to be recast. So that's that was their reasoning for wanting to do computer animated series. What do you what do you think about that? That's just stupid. What do you mean what do I think about that? Who would want an animated series when we have movies like this? Well, they didn't know that at the time. They didn't know that Harry Potter would be a big franchise. They didn't know it would be like this. I mean, they should have. The books books were J.K. Rowling was only four books in. Four books in at that point. Yeah, but they were some of the best books. I don't know. I've never read any of them. Well, you are missing out. Well, I know your family, especially your wife, is a big, 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 big Harry Potter fan. So I'm sure every film is much loved in that Jeffrey household. Of course, to an extent. But on those decisions that Warner Brothers had, uh, J.K. Rowling ended up vetoing both of the ideas of combining the books and the animated movie. So they decided to produce all eight movies back to back to back to back to back to back to back. So the same actors and actresses could play the roles in every movie. So it turned out to be a very wise decision. J.K. Rowling was on the ball there. Yeah, and she's obviously profited immensely from it. Oh, yes, she has. This had cinematography by John Seal, who has been nominated for an Oscar five times. Uh, he got one win for The English Patient. Ugh, has he done anything better? Witness, Rain Man, Cold Mountain, and Mad Max Fury Road are his four nominees. So, no, you could say. I could not say that because that's incorrect. Actually, now so, that I think of it, Cold Mountain did look very good. See, that's a film I just don't remember in the slightest. I mean, I saw that a very long time ago. I saw that at the cinemas. Yeah, what do you think of that film? I have no idea. And memorable. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> I've may I think I've rewatched it uh since then, but nah. I remember it being super long. Is Jude Law in it? Yeah, so is Nicole Kidman and Renee Zellweger. Yeah, I mean those two are the givens, but yeah. Anyway, we're getting off topic here, Hendo. Bring it back. We are. Do you know who the first person to be cast in the film was? 
I mean, just have a stab. Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Was it really? Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, there you go. J- Actually, J.K. Rowling did handpick Robbie Coltrane, Maggie Smith, and Alan Rickman for their roles. See, I never bought Alan Rickman as Snape when I first uh, watched the movies. I mean, now, so many years down the track, he has grown on me. And obviously, for you, that's the only Snape you ever knew. But in my mind from the books, he was much different. What do you mean? What what, what was the difference? Uh, I don't know. I pictured him as, like, really skinny. Okay. And you just couldn't, fa- you couldn't <laughs> fathom voice, Alan like Rickman the, as Snape. The Alan Rickman voice is so slow. And I, didn't, I never pictured Snape as a slow speaker. Yeah, you're right. I can't picture anyone else but Alan Rickman because... I have nothing to back that off. I think McGonagall is spot on, though. Like, she is perfect. And Hagrid Hagrid is perfect. There is a lot of perfect casting choices in this film and all these films, obviously. Speaking of casting, Richard Harris only agreed to take on the part of Dumbledore after his 11-year-old granddaughter threatened never to speak to him again if he didn't. I mean, I feel like so many of these things, oh, the kids said they should do it, so they did it. Like, come on, you can just do the role without needing an excuse. Why wouldn't... Well, I mean, what, the, what else was Richard Harris doing at this stage? Oh, she got me. I mean, come on. He's really old. It's an iconic... <laughs> it's an iconic role. There's no way you wouldn't say yes to it. What did you make of Maybe Richard... Hold on. What did you make of Richard Harris as Dumbledore? Uh, I mean, he... He's okay. I I remember Michael Gambon more than Richard Harris. Funny that. He's in three times as many films, Hendo. Yeah, but this is the original Dumbledore. You thought he would have had a bit more notoriety from the original movies. I don't know. Michael Gambon stood out more to me. See, for me, I feel like Richard Harris plays the, the soft, kindly role of Dumbledore very, very well. Because Dumbledore is a very gentle character who has moments of power and ferocity that I could never see Richard Harris pulling off. I think he's too soft. Whereas Michael Gambon, I think he's the opposite. I think he's far too aggressive to be Dumbledore. And the reason I bring it up like this is because obviously we're doing the Lord of the Rings at the same time. And I think Ian McKellen conveys both the gentle and the fiery side perfectly whereas these two actors really do lean so heavily one way or the other that's a very valid point did it have a lot to do with michael gambon's uh way he said did you put your name in the goblet of fire did you put your name in the goblet of fire (laughs) dumbledore said calmly (laughs) calmly (laughs) (laughs) oh i love it so do you know the hogwarts motto fortius fortilius something quo in fairness, that could be the St Kilda Football Club motto. <laughs> uh, that could very well be. I've got here. I've got here. Draco Dormian's nunquam titillatus. Nunquam which yourself. Means ne- which apparently means never tickle a sleeping dragon. I mean, say what you will about J.K. Rowling. She does drop the ball sometimes. <laughs> So the filmmakers did attempt to go the extra mile of matching the kids' appearance to how the novel described them. They tried to fit Daniel Radcliffe with some green-coloured contact lenses and make Emma Watson wear some fake buck teeth. But when Daniel Radcliffe's eyes reacted pretty strongly to the contacts and Emma Watson couldn't talk clearly with with the fake teeth in her mouth, they dropped those ideas pretty quickly. What do you make of the three leads in this film? Uh, They're child actors and they... They need some. They need some more time to grow into these roles. There are so clearly there are points where it's just 
you can tell they are just they're thinking of the lines they need to say rather than acting. And that's you know they're still young. They they've been pushed into these massive massive roles. They get better over time. But in this first film, yeah, there's there's certain points where it's like yeah, you can clearly tell they they're kind of trying to think of the words to say as they're going. I tell you these these three actors are so lucky that they had the chance to get better. Yes. They are. I, I'm surprised how gentle you were. That they are terrible in this film. Rupert Grint, in particular, <laughs> there's some lines he says. I'm just like, mate. Rupert Grint. Surely there should have been. Rupert Grint is fine. I think Daniel Radcliffe is the worst. There's there's one line. I think he. I forgot what he says. I I can't be a oh a yes wizard. yes yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that 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 you could just see the script has like Harry stuttered and he's like oh god how do I stutter I ca- ca- yeah. can't be a w- 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 a wizard. <laughs> like, are you kidding? <laughs> but you even see, even you like, just see, like the people on the side people the people on the side like just like, even even at the end because I've literally watched it like half an hour ago where. He's with Quirrell and Voldemort at the end, and Voldemort says, stop him from running away, and Quirrell makes all the fire surround him. And he, like, goes, he's going towards a place that fire comes up, so he turns around, then makes a point of turning left, and I mean, like, a few degrees, as if he's going to walk left, there's fire, then he does the same thing to go right, and it's like... You can see, you are not like doing 90 degree turns. You can see everything, but he just like fakes like he's going to go through there. And I'm like, what are you doing? But I don't think stuff like that shouldn't be blamed on these actors though. I think the director does need to take a bit of a bit of flack for this. I think they should have done a couple more takes for some of these lines. Like, Daniel, maybe maybe say it like this instead? Instead of yeah. like, cut, that's all right, we got it, good job. Emma Watson isn't too bad though. Uh, yeah, she's not too bad, but I think that's got to do with the character as well. She comes across like that, where she can get away with some of the some of the way she says those lines. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Let's see here. During the entire Harry Potter series, it looked like Daniel Radcliffe went through about 160 pairs of glasses. Oculus Reparo. Yeah, if only they did that, they wouldn't have to go through all the glasses. So there are a couple of uh, big celebrities who were basically begging for some roles in this film, where basically without pay. They had uh, Rosie O'Donnell and Robin Williams were asking to play the roles of Hagrid and Molly Weasley. You imagine Robin Williams as Hagrid? Uh, he's too fun, I guess. Yeah, I, he would I have, feel like if Rob, doing if a bit Rob, of improv. Yeah, if Robin Williams was playing Hagrid, it would be a very loud... Nah, Robbie Coltrane's perfect as Hagrid. He definitely is. And but, the reason why they didn't get those roles was because J.K. Rowling wanted a strictly British cast. Mm. Yeah, I, I do remember that at the time about how important that was for J.K. Rowling. But this was released on the 4th of November in 2001 with a runtime of 152 minutes with a tagline of Let the Magic Begin. Great tagline. Yep, sets it up perfect. We know it this does. is going to be a you know multi-movie series. So you mentioned the length there. What do you what do you think of the, the runtime of this film? My God, it is so, so long. It is so long. This movie, is, this took me... Uh, two separate days to watch it felt like five hours yeah it is really 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 slow in points and it's it's so hard for me though to separate how this would have been at the time versus how it is now having watched the entire series because really almost almost nothing happens is in this movie Oh, that's what I was about to say. Like, because doing a breakdown, writing notes for this film, like, it's really just setting up the school, and there's not really much you can be, you know, writing notes about with those sort of parts. It's it's it's, it's an interesting one. But I agree completely that 
this movie did not feel like two and a half hours. It felt much, much longer than what it was. Yeah, I think there's so much onus on this film to set up this world. Yeah. Like, there's a, there's a lot of pressure to set up this world. And it follows the book almost exactly. Like, there's, it's the shortest book by far. They really do include almost everything. Like, things like, I don't know, like the flying lesson. It's just like, oh, like I get it because that's where McGonagall sees Potter on the broom, which brings him into the Quidditch world, which again is so slow. Oh, how bad. And again, I know it's of its time, but how bad is some of the CGI in this film? The CGI in this film is probably the worst thing about this film. It is like, it, I don't know, it, it's it's, it's like, awful. It's, it's like uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> but they try and have it like actual big scenes in the film, like Harry Potter riding the troll. Like, was they, Did they really think that people would be looking at it going, whoa, that looks good. That looks really good, even for 2001. Yeah, I mean, Lord of the Rings came out around the same time, didn't it? Yeah. Like, the difference in quality is remarkable. And this isn't a low-budget film. Like, No, I was about to say, because the original, well, the Lord of the Rings films, they had a budget of roughly $93, $94 million each, and this had a budget of $125 million. Yeah, like that's- And you can't go and say, oh, it's because of all the actors' salaries. Like, there's a lot of different actors in Lord of the Rings too. Yeah, and the actors they're putting in this aren't pulling huge dollars yet. No. Like, who is top billed in this film? Radcliffe, isn't he? You think 11-year-old Daniel Radcliffe got paid more than Alan Rickman to be in this? No, I'm talking about top builder. Okay, who got paid the most? Yeah. Jeez. Uh, Would it be Richard Harris? Not much screen time, though. Alan Rickman? Do you reckon they all got paid like a, a, a flat rate? All the adult actors got, play, got paid a you know, the same amount? Hey, you're, you're going to be doing this multi- and maybe no. big contract, you know? Multi-movie series. Multi-movie series. Who knows? No, they're not getting paid the same rate. All right, Aunt Petunia is not pulling in what Alan Rickman's pulling oh, in. Oh, I'm, I'm talking the big ones here. I'm talking your Robbie Coltrane, your Maggie Smith, your Alan Rickman, Richard Harris to you know a certain degree here. I think those are the big four. It would I be mean, interesting uh, to see because obviously by the end of it, Radcliffe is you know would easily be on yeah, more I, than anyone else. But it's yeah, it's it's very. Oh, I don't know. I was thinking who who is actually earning the most here. I think it would be Rickman. I think it'd be him for now, and I reckon the kids would have started getting more and more as the movies went along. Yeah. But like I said, $125 million budget, grossed 318 in America, and worldwide grossed $978 million. Holy uh, shit. By February, two- by February 2002, it was the second highest grossing film worldwide. What was the highest at that point, Dean? Of that year? No, worldwide ever. Ever? Yeah. Uh, was it Titanic? Very good. Oh, Just I keeping mean, your movie trivia fresh. You asked it like there was some knowledge here, but No. Everyone knows Titanic no? was the highest grossing film for a long time. Wasn't a trick question. But this was nominated for three Academy Awards, did not win any. It was nominated for Best Art Direction in the Set Decoration category. It was nominated for Best Costume Design, and it was nominated for Best Original Score. Costumes are great. They are. They are indeed. This had a very, very, very brief appearance in the Top 250. The uh, I guess it was early December in 2001. I think it hit around 240, and then it was out and done. Rightly so. 
and it is sitting right now with an average of 7.6 over 605,000 ratings. That was a big trivia section, wasn't it, Dean? Lots of uh, initial Harry Potter lore there, I guess. All right, 7.6. I'm interested to see how that compares with all the others as we move through this series. Yeah, it'd be good to see. Let's get a ranking going for these eight films. Obviously, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 is the highest, as it is in the top 250. I did go and check that, a la my blunder with Slumdog Millionaire. It is in the top 250, so we've got that at the end of this. (laughs) Good. (laughs) All right, but why don't we get into our discussion on this particular Harry Potter film. Dean, let's do it. Thank you very much, listeners, for checking out this patron preview. Yeah, if you want to check out the whole episode, we've got everything over on at patreon.com slash themoviejourney. And we've got over 70 bonus episodes over there, including film series such as the Die Hard series, X-Men series, Mission Impossible series. We've also gone through some notable film directors such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino. That's right. There's also tons of benefits over there. Early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put out on the regular. Exactly. You can also shape the show the way you want it to be by telling us what films you would like us to break down. And Dean said it's spot on patreon.com slash themoviejourney. Go ahead and head over there and check out all the rewards and benefits we have to offer. And we thank you once again for checking us out. Thanks, y'all. 